through the course of these live shows and this one film that we released we managed to raise over 40 lakhs for charity my god um that's amazing and that's like one company voluntarily working on it and creating whatever they can that's amazing yeah so behind every successful person there's a woman <laughs> <laughs> I would not even say a man anymore. I think every successful person. I think you played the role to get the <laughs> the mechanics going for the show to go on. That's yeah. amazing. But, but I think we should say next to right versus behind. Okay. I like. It. <laughs> I like it. One seventy fifth episode. Can you believe this? I still can't. I still can't believe that we have come so far. But thank you so much for joining me one more time on the Absolutely Right podcast, India's first graphology-based leadership show. I'm your host Aditi Surana. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach, and an anti-anxiety expert. Our guest on the show today is CEO of a weird company called Weird Ass Comedy, a content studio and comedy consultancy firm. Rakshita speaks about her journey from vipassana to imposter syndrome from figuring out leadership challenges how they managed to run these zoom call based shows to create multiple charity projects just during the lockdown it's interesting it's inspiring there are so many learning curves in that one conversation so make sure that you keep your handwriting sample and a notepad ready because i will analyze her handwriting and i will decode her personality and as i do that you might find something interesting about your own personality about your own mind block just by looking at your own handwriting so let's get started without further ado let me get rakshita and get this conversation going Hi Rakshita, welcome to Absolutely Right. Hi Aditi, it's so good to be here. Um, and thank you for hear, having me. And as I hear, it is your first ever <laughs> podcast. Yes. Um, so um, yeah, my first ever podcast. So you know, you have to be gentle with me. <laughs> Break me in. <laughs> I will be. I'll try and be as gentle as I can, madam. So let's let's let me get the context for our listeners. Uh, we will be analyzing uh, Rakshita's handwriting, and as I look at her handwriting sample, which is in front of me, we asked her to write a sample on a blank, unruled sheet of paper. and there are a few things that stood out in in when i looked at it for the first time one when rakshita writes her lower case letter i instead of putting dots there she has nice circles that are on top of the letter rakshita you can look at your own handwriting as i describe it when yeah, she signs instead of writing a clear name it turns into a little thread or like illegible doctor's handwriting that we can see here at the same time when she writes a letter t the lower case t the horizontal line is only on the right side so i'm going to use all of this and a lot more as my sources of information to talk about who she is how she is but before we get there rakshita why media as a career um i don't know i think i always radiated towards um uh media my dad himself um he worked um uh he was uh worked in sales and in journalism for many 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 years okay um and when i had to make that decision i think i was actually torn between taking up law um or taking up media okay. and somehow this is the path that i picked and kept going on okay so yeah. law or media they're kind of like absolutely like there's nothing in between right <laughs> 
absolutely strict and in a way that you'll be like only bound by rules and here there are no rules yeah but i'm actually really thankful i didn't go that <laughs> go down that path but um uh something that i find very exciting um uh in my media career is actually negotiations and contracts and sort of going through paperwork which actually find you know i find very exciting yeah. so i think that's some that's something that i kind of retained with me even though i'm on this sort of path which is which is interesting you know i have a theory that i feel people somehow at the end land in the career that they're supposed to be in and they they just shine there most of the time because you want a bit of this and bit of that and you think this is the most horrible career choice i'm making and still you land up in a space where you get to do everything that you're good at so technically you could have been a lawyer but here you are like applying law and doing this yeah so rakshita uh, do you have any questions for me you're jumping right there and oh, talking wow. about actually this brings us to what we were talking about you know the fact that um i could have been doing law and then some of that is what i've retained uh in sort of this career that i'm currently on and that is also something that i found that i have like a very varied set of uh skills. interest yeah so i've i've done creative i've done a lot of operations sort of roles i've done uh business development so i've just ended up wearing so many multiple hats throughout my career and mm-hmm. i've kept sort of pivoting you know throughout my career um and i've ended up as sort of this jack of all trades you know um and i don't know if um you know this is a path that i should sort of continue on right versus um building depth in just sort of one stream so before i say anything building depth in any one area or any one stream is utterly boring to you mm. okay have you ever uh, can you decide your choice of ice cream quickly um no i can okay. <laughs> no but like but not ice cream but uh, uh, on pretty much everything else it just takes me a while to everything but ice cream but but what i want what i want to say is when you look at anything that is curiosity driven anything that has unexplored areas you are the one who would like to take that risk to open the door and see what is behind that door which most people avoid most people have this idea about their career and in generally about their life that they want to be settled they want to not uh, walk into things that can create problems for them or risks for them but as i can look at your writing you love taking risks and i'm saying that because when you write this entire paragraph uh, on the right side we call margins in the handwriting sample making so you have left margins and right margins how far do you go to complete your sentence do you touch the right side of the page do you leave some space there do you you know have standard space so there are multiple styles in which people land up maintaining margins in your case you almost go close to it and stop there like it's, it's like so close that like as if somebody is driving on a cliff and the mm. person would stop at the end of the cliff and if you take like two two steps ahead you may fall but that is the amount of risk taking you can handle 
Okay. Wow. And you that... might have seen yourself while working, while making your le- leadership decisions in so many areas, even in personal life. But you didn't know till the last moment how things gonna work out. You walked into it. You kept following what you knew was possible, and at the last minute, it has happened. Yeah. Um, Do you have I've any ne- example? I've never, I've never thought of it like that. But now that you're saying it. um maybe i can um i can understand possibly why you're saying this you know um because i've always um um i've always sort of like if i'm given a task to do then i i try and i say okay listen no matter what we will get it done right. you know and this might seem um a seemingly impossible task and i might know that and i will kind of play devil's advocate to myself and say you know i don't think we're going to get it done but basically how do how you constantly try and find some solution or the other even if even when you feel like you've reached the end of the road okay what can we do to kind of keep this going and get this done you know right. it's uh, yeah and yeah. so many times people give in to their anxiety they give in to their own limitations but when you're focused on the task and i can say that also because when you write your letter f there is like a well formed top loop and well formed bottom loop that means you plan thoroughly and still you're open to these uncertainties still you're open to jump into the the deep end, end of the pool without knowing how things going to work out so it's both ways it's not that you're unprepared and you jump into this so called random risk you are a planned person you kind of take time and you step you know find the steps to achieve what you want to achieve and still when things go off you gear up and you somehow manage the courage more than anything else to show up stand there and take responsibility for anything that can go wrong and i think that's a phenomenal leadership quality that most people struggle with oh um yeah thank you for um for saying that but um yeah i think there are times where i feel like you know i'm just um like you said you know you plan and um, and especially in the last two years in the midst of a <laughs> pandemic you know you make a plan a and then you make a plan b and then you make a plan c and none of those work out um and then you find yourself just holding your breath Yep. to say oh my god how do we kind of like tied over <laughs> yes and I, i find myself doing that you know a lot holding my breath but um i think every time i've i've come to the other end where i've actually been able to kind of like you know breathe like a sigh of relief <laughs> um at the end but uh, yeah and you don't even realize that you're holding your breath i think till you get over that little oh mountain God, and yes. then you're like okay fine we've got we've got this done you know we've gotten over this so i think the the current company that you're working in uh, also gives you lots of opportunities to do that <laughs> yeah you know so tell us about uh, how was it to work with a person who is absolutely jumping off the cliff every now and then and taking risks and as a team what are the challenges that you face while working with veerdas oh uh <laughs> <laughs> um you know i think for me first of all um 
the industry itself although this is still in the sort of world of media it was it's a very very new industry you know mm-hmm. right from um uh, it being a live events business to developing long form content you know producing fiction and non fiction shows um right. uh, of this kind of scale so it is a completely new industry it's a new set of people um um so that itself you know to sort of enter this new industry was a challenge mm-hmm. and then you meet this crazy creative genius <laughs> <laughs> um you know spearheading all of this who has an idea and then um you know he tells you what he wants to do and then he bounces you know <laughs> he, disapp- he disappears and you are like wait what <laughs> what do you want us to do <laughs> and then it's about actually you figuring know, it out it's about decoding what he what he meant <laughs> Yeah. and then it's about actually um you know bringing the team together to say okay fine there is this crazy idea how do we make it happen and usually the first response is this cannot happen you know we can't <laughs> give us an example of possible. that <laughs> last year um you know in the middle of the pandemic uh when lockdown was announced uh, we did over um 30 virtual uh, comedy shows uh, on zoom they were all ticketed events and every show was dedicated to raising funds to a different covid relief charity wow and um by the end of that we had recorded all of these zoom sessions um and we created this little lockdown comedy special or documentary you know whatever you want to call it and of course the traditional approach uh, is hey we've made this great little film now can we take it to people you know can we take it to netflix or can we take it to another platform can we find somebody who's interested in you know sort of showcasing this piece of content um and then we said no 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 we don't want to do that you know okay. we we want to uh, let's release this on our own you know why do we need to do this on any platform and and the idea also was that we'd raised all these funds and can we use this film to raise more funds and the only way that we could do that is if we still retain control of how we release this film right um um so the idea was how can we basically put this film behind a firewall um and behind a paywall mm-hmm. and actually get people to come and pay to watch this film and then voluntarily donate over and above that hmm. and from the time this idea kind of germinated that we're going to do this to ourselves right so when we actually launched it i think was barely two or three weeks so my god <laughs> in about that much time we had to do all of the research on what video players to host this on who can we get to develop the website is it even possible to sort of password protect this and how do we like kind of make this secure so people are not like kind of floating this link around right. who can we integrate a payment gateway to you know so the finance challenges uh, audit challenges and all of those things of raising funds for charity right. as a company um oh you know so all of that you know the legal Did aspects you just say you like it. reading contracts here you go <laughs> yeah that precisely <laughs> and sort of all of this just um 
you know we had to figure out like everybody mm. all hands on deck figure this out in two weeks get things up and running and we actually managed to do that i mean um uh, five minutes into us launching the website and we're announcing it on his social media handles we had so much traffic hitting My the God. website that it crashed really <laughs> Wow. <laughs> crash good problems to have yeah we had an we you know we had an internal you know this major crisis, crisis. because we had advertised uh, you know we marketed uh, for people to come and watch this film and i remember that the whole team was sitting on a con call till about 2 in the morning trying to figure what the solution is and then you know we somehow managed to kind of bring it back up and running because we didn't even have time to do like a stress test of course on the website and all of that so we you know managed to sort of put this together and um, the film was live for about 10 days and through the course of these live shows and this one film that we released we managed to raise over 40 lakhs for charity my god um that's amazing and that's like release. one company voluntarily working on it and creating whatever they can that's amazing yeah so behind every successful person there's a woman <laughs> <laughs> I would not even say a man anymore. I think every successful person, I think you played the role to get the <laughs> the mechanics going for the show to go on. That's yeah. amazing. But, but I think we should say next to right versus behind. Okay. I, like <laughs> I like it. I'm going to use that one. Thank you for correcting me on this. <laughs> so let's look at uh, the other aspect of the the question that you asked me. Can we really, you know, understand and find your interest in one career in one stream in one particular idea so the answer clear answer from my end is no mm. you might find this environment stressful and not only this any company where you have been constantly questioning yourself and thrown into ideas that you had no clue about it looks stressful in the moment but you thrive there and what you're truly committed to is learning and thriving in friendships and relationships in conversations in uh, you know your your choices of reading books if the the content if the person if that environment is not making you explore yourself further and deeper then you feel bored you feel exhausted you feel uninterested to a point that you can't be around there hmm right and you because you are either 100 or 0 it's very difficult for you to try and be very politically correct about situations you yeah. want to get into a situation and you want to give your best shot and then figure out what happens and even if you fail that you're fine but if you think you haven't given your best shot then you can become the most difficult person to yourself yeah yeah no that is that is that is very true <laughs> and um, i'm i'm saying that because there are two traits in your writing one is where the second hump of letter m is taller than the first one talking about fear of rejection uh, at the same time kind of imposter syndrome that comes with another trait where the letter t has a fluctuating horizontal line sometimes the horizontal line is at the top talking about how self confident you are and how much you believe in yourself and the line comes as low as 50% or even below that talking about how you can be self critical like step into self doubt not really believe in your own ideas this trait of uh, fluctuating self esteem combined with fear of being rejected can really create something that we call imposter syndrome 
Hmm. But uh, can that coexist? Um, uh, because that's a question that I had, you know, uh, to be very sort of, um, um, you know, confident in your abilities, you know, um, sure of the value that you add to, um, you know, any relationship or to an organization, but at the same time, sort of dealing with these struggles of man, I, you know, I wish I'd done better, or uh, am I doing things right, you know, you know, that sort of uh, different ends of that spectrum, you know, so if you have to look at like, and this is what I love about behaviors, because I think they're mathematical, if you look at this equation, let's understand it, okay? I'm going to get a little technical, even for our listeners, I'm giving little heads up here. So when you are operating from high self-esteem, which in your handwriting, one of the traits that talk about it is your T-bar going up. Now, when that happens, you are in charge. You really know where you want to take the organization, the relationship, how you want to build it. And then there are days where nothing can stop you. Nothing can stand in your way because no matter how tough the problem is, you know you are you have your game on. And then there are days where you really get into the self-doubt mode, which I am talking about the fluctuation, which can go as low, like tide. You know, like the same sea, the same ocean, the same beach that you visit every now and then. But when the tide is very low, you wonder what happened to the same sea that I could count on. So that's what the fluctuation levels are for you. So when you are in that self-doubt mode, for external world, you still show up and you still do what is needed. But internally, you have to do that, that pep talk to just get to the point where you are usually at. And people are so used to seeing you that positive enthusiastic optimistic person they expect you to play to that role and when you know internally that i cannot play to this role you start compensating it by doing other things Mm. right or you avoid interactions on those days or you find a way to go around it but when you're thrown into a problem and this is where i said why challenges are places where you thrive because when you're thrown into the problem you get into the survival mode where you really start counting on who you are. And that person really believes in herself. That person who, that you don't have time to think and evaluate and internalize whether I'm good enough or not. And that's why the best of you comes out. Yeah. Not because you don't have the strength. You always have the strength. But that cognitive doubt that keeps going up and down those fluctuations are more over like self-thought behaviors. But when you're thrown into the situation, if you can swim, that means you know how to swim. Yeah. But if you're standing by the pool thinking whether I can swim or not, am I good enough or not? But this is more cognitive than actually having the problem of skill set. Got it. Right. So next time you catch yourself getting involved into these thoughts, uh, I would say take a step back and ask yourself what action can you take right now? Because sometimes this, these all doubtful thoughts are imposter syndrome. People talk a lot about it. They show up because you do have that fight or flight mode. All of us have. And if you do not listen to those thoughts, they start giving you other signals. So sit down and I love this technique, but take a journal out and write down whatever is coming to your mind. And okay, they say, okay, I hear you. I hear you. I acknowledge this is happening, but I would still like to choose and do what I'm doing. It's like a child, right? Like cranky child, you don't pay attention. It becomes crankier, crankier, crankier. And then it, you know, your child can take over your house because you haven't paid attention. But the very moment you give your child that attention needed, then within five minutes, the problem can be solved. Yeah. 
with fluctuating self-esteem, the same thing happens. Sometimes that attention is needed. So create a mechanism, do not ignore it. These all are the signals that your personality is woven in a manner that you require to tweak it in a certain manner. Like to give you an example, I'm a dyslexic. So there are days where I, I don't have my flow the way I generally have. And then there are days where I'm like smooth and you know, talking as if like I'm, I'm just receiving some download or something. Now I know there are, so after some time, after observing my own self, I started seeing the markers of where it starts turning or when I don't have the skill set. And when I found those markers, I, I've started figuring out ways in which I can still either avoid the conversation or you know have mechanisms. So I would do some therapy, I would meditate, I would do like multiple things available to know that if I have this gap today, how can I you know, match up and how can I like then still go beyond it? Like any other skill that we do. But yeah. because behaviors and personalities are intangible, we do not know how to do it with our own thinking and emotions. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, it's also something that I've had to teach myself um, over time. Um, I'm, uh, I'm quite an emotional person. And even in the workplace, if I'm not emotionally connected to a place, then, you know, I'm not connected at all. Right. But that has its positives and also its negatives, because then everything that happens, sort of every setback, every bad day just becomes, you know, sort of uh, your thing to deal with. Correct. Um, And then, um, uh, you know, and suddenly you feel the weight of that on your shoulder, like, you know, you're the only one bearing (laughs) that burden. And that comes with also having a lot of emotional responses to things that more often than not are not in your control, you know. And that is something that I've had to work on in terms of um, having more uh, observe a situation, spend time observing it before reacting to it, and then try and have an intellectual response to it versus uh, an emotional one. You know, because nothing, you know, when it's a, when is when there is a bad phase, it's not going to last um, forever. It's mm-hmm. you know the only constant, uh, you know, change is the only constant. And if there is something good, something that is going right now, that is not going to last forever either. Agreed. Right. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, you can't expect to always have um, you know a good phase um, uh, that lasts permanently. Um, so this is something that, um, you know, I've learned and I, I've also done Vipassana and that is exactly what it teaches you to have an equanimous response to anything. You basically focus on, um, what is within your control, Hmm. right? And the only thing within your control in any given situation is, um, is uh, sure you can plan, uh, you know, we talked about making plan A, plan B and plan C. And, but the only thing that you can do is uh, control how you react to something, you know, and uh, so beautiful. Like uh, I speak a lot about reaction and response uh, in any anxiety based conversation. And most of the time our reactions are automated. Like we have that one style in which we react to every, every time we are upset. And we do not take any moment to think, is there any other way of reacting or responding as a better word that, that you used? And if we actually start finding multiple ways to respond to this one situation, we become freer in our minds. And that's, that's liberating every yeah. single time. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge load off, you know, you just feel lighter. 
yesterday we were talking about your work style and we spoke about how you manage to i would not say love to but how you manage to roll with the punches and come back and stand up again is there anything that you do specifically if we have to tell our listeners say two or three things that you do to make sure that you do not give in and you kind of still find a way to to come back um you know i think that is um um uh, yeah i mean rolling with the punches is an absolutely sort of right phrase to use um you know for everything that we've been through in the last two years um of course and for me like i said it was a, it was a, i i i joined um, weird as about a month and a half before the pandemic hit wow so i physically, <laughs> yeah so i physically met my colleagues for about a month just yeah about barely a month and uh, like i said it was new industry new people you know um, a brand new crisis that we mm-hmm. as a world had so there was a lot that had to be um figured out and um you know something that i read you know how we talk about frontline workers um right. time like this but um, you know i read the term frontline leader you nice. know uh, that you at a time like this how can you be the person uh, that people can turn to you know in a time of crisis be it mm. for guidance or as a bouncing board or to share concerns or even just to vent you know yeah. uh, vent your frustrations but for this i think the most important um was um, you know this is also um, you know the, a term that i came across is you know putting your oxygen mask on first wow. um, so that you can help others um so i think i focused on equipping myself you know mm. emotionally sort of decoding the situation and you know try to figure out what is the best that you can do at a time like this mm-hmm. um and like i said for me the industry was new so how how can i educate myself about the industry how can i be better equipped right. for people who are coming to me for answers um, as wow. well right so i think that's something that um is important um, when you when you have to roll with the punches so make yeah. sure that you wear your oxygen mask first yeah <laughs> and be prepared to to deal with other people's situations then yeah yeah yesterday we were speaking about how virdas has been more authentic than ever before he has spoken about issues and challenges and in a way breaking the stereotypes in ways that otherwise you know in his performance we had not seen are you also the person uh, encouraging it as a team are you guys enjoying and building that that strength for him and what are the challenges when he goes off and says certain things that are complicated and you know now we are in the world of controversy and social media trolling how do you deal with it what are the repercussions of somebody walking that far and that authentically you know for him um and i can only speak so much uh, uh for him but what i um what i am seeing is just um a very fearless version of himself yeah as an artist and as a creator um um fearless and authentic mm-hmm. and uh, i think we're very as a company we're of course we are so proud of everything that he stands for um okay. and everything that he's um um he's saying or vocalizing um uh, on social media 
and um, and I think that's something that we try and do as you know sort of that sort of ethos is something that is you know that DNA I think is strong in the company as well, where we're trying to be um, uh, uh, we're trying to be authentic, we're trying to be fearless in our content, we're trying to find ways that we can stand out. Mm. Um, um, and that you see that in our ideas as well. You know, there is always, you know, Obviously. something that, that is, that is quirky. Weird. And that is weird. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, uh, and Veer himself is something that's strong, uh, you know, who strongly believes in, um, in kind of leading that, um, um, that way or sort of taking the path that, um, um, few do or or no one has, and kind of then being that trendsetter um, in a way, and uh, does not want to do anything that's run of the mill. And I think that is something that we as a company believe in um, as well in our approach to the kind of content that we're developing. So, what are the consequences of it? Like, you know, uh, most people do not dare to go down that path in whatever career that they are in, only and mainly because they do not want to. Uh, be subjected to all the other repercussions yeah i mean there's definitely consequences to speaking truth truth to power in today's uh time you know with uh, uh i know that as a company we've dealt with you know everything from legal notices to yeah. you know we i can imagine uh, you know being trolled <laughs> and receiving death threats and all of that is yeah is definitely a reality so we have to kind of brace ourselves um, for that. But I think as a company, we're also trying to find that balance. Mm. Um, so um, as much as there is a, a lot on our slate that we're developing is kosher um, mm. um, and parked with uh, platforms at various stages of development. But there is also, but that doesn't mean we stop ourselves from continuing to do the things that we still want to right, do, irrespective right. of whether a platform is interested in it or not, um, which possibly gives rise to a, a new business uh, strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, just like we created this uh, documentary last year and released it on our own. Right. Is that something that we can go ahead and do more of? Can mm-hmm. we create content um, or, or the most authentic version of um, a piece of creative mm. uh, that we want to, and can we find a way to um, uh, to launch it on our own? Can we find um, a way to monetize it on our own? So there is that balancing act of doing both. Mm. You know, let's let's work with within the current um, content ecosystem, but mm. let's also try and chart our own. Uh, path and you know and see if there is there are some things that we can still do as a company because we strongly believe in these ideas Mm. um, and find a way to do them on our own that's amazing so what do you Rakshita any questions you have for me typically I'm a workaholic Mm -hmm. you know I get completely like sucked into absorbed (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, sort of emotionally, physically, everything, I disappear to the rest of the world. And I'm kind of, you know, most present um, um, for the company that I'm working for. And over the course of, uh, you know, many years, I've had, uh, you know, friends, I've had family, I've had colleagues, and even bosses, you know, encourage me to start something of my own. Okay. And it's always something that I've thought of. 
uh, but I've never acted on with sort of um, the greatest uh, degree of seriousness. Mm. So I, I'm wondering if, um, and I've always worked for other people. So mm. I'm, I'm wondering if this is a path that I should, you know, seriously think of trending on. Okay. So let's look at the same intensity uh, that, that you bring in. And if you have to work on something only because you want to, are you as intense as you are when you're working with other people? Um, I don't know if, uh, I don't think I have been. My, my, my feeling of wanting to do it is intense, but I think the effort that I've, that I'm putting into is not, um, uh, is not on par, you know, uh, or what it should be. So according to me, when people throw you off your balance, getting the balance is something that you're natural at, but throwing yourself off balance because does not happen very easily. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you are challenged by people and situation, you gather all your resources to respond to it in the best possible manner and whatever is best in that moment. Even if you fail, even if you fall, you're okay with it. But the fact that you are taking responsibility and holding the ground matters to you. The very moment you start doing it only for yourself, for some reason, you're not as committed as you are otherwise. Hmm. Okay. And when you start your own company, that matters the most. Would you do things only because you wish to do it? So for me, if I have to look at this and find the best possible reason for you to start your own company or your own venture would be you're so inspired by that cause. You're so passionate about that final idea or the outcome or the impact that you're creating that then you would turn every single stone in your way. Then you do it. But until you don't find that reason, that impact-based proposal or idea, do not jump in. Okay. Yeah, Does that makes sense? When people throw you in, in the situations, you do it because you're responsible for the team and you know you have other people watching you. And I mentioned this one little trait in your writing where you circle your I, uh, lowercase letter I instead of dotting it. That talks about wanting to be playfully involved in things that you do. At the same time, uh, having the need to, to get other people's attention on what you do. If that is that your subconscious need, then when you're working with a team or when you have bosses or authorities and people around you, it helps you that their attention can be gained and achieved by the work that you do. And you know, when you do something really offbeat and you know someone is watching while you're doing it, it helps. It is like that good motivating factor. Hmm. The only reason why you would do it only for yourself and nobody's watching, where the impact would be much larger than who you are. That is, um, that is, and because I've heard people say this, but that's absolutely right. <laughs> um, that's absolutely right. Because um, I know that um, if I do something for myself, um, uh, it, it'll be something with a greater purpose, mm. you know, um, uh, and just comes back to what I'm passionate about. So when I'm not, spending all my time, you know, being the workaholic that I am, um, I'm obsessed over anything to do with, um, you know, climate change and sort okay. of, um, you know, I, 
uh, I research a lot about companies that are making a positive impact and that could be a sustainable fashion business or um, you know anything to do with the environment is something that I'm very very interested in and you have given some TED talks on that right no no (laughs) no but I but but uh, um, you know TED talk um, uh, is because yeah, because I'm so passionate about it. Uh, it you know, I'm constantly talking about this um, with people. So anybody who knows me well will have has been at the receiving end of my so-called TED Personal talk. TED talk. Okay. <laughs> Personal, <laughs> yeah, because I was looking it up and I'm like, I don't find it. So that's why I'm like, let me ask her. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, so sustainable fashion, again, creating a larger impact. Or, you know, even using media to do that or create awareness when you will be in that zone, I think then nobody can stop you because yeah. the, the reason would be much larger. But until you find that and you know, you should know that in your heart and being the emotional person that you are, you have to fall in love with it for you to then take that leap. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I, I, I see what you're saying um, here. Next question. Um, okay, next question. Um, you know, I have been feeling like um, I don't think I can be um, uh, anywhere if I'm not learning something um, new, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm excited to go into my job every day is because every day is different. You know, and um, the learning curve for me has literally been, <laughs> that uh, steep. you know, yeah, it's been a very, very steep learning curve for me, you know, and that is actually what excites me about what I'm doing. Um, but I feel like at times um, I've, I've not, fo- you know, I've not really focused on learning. It's happened, sure. And I've had to do it um, uh, to just understand um, this industry and what needs to be done to kind of survive and grow and um, and flourish here. But I feel like there's something that's holding me back. Um, um, and this even happens with sort of just becoming involved in the day-to-day rather than stepping back and looking at the larger picture. And I'm trying to identify what it is and, you know, sort of how to overcome this, you know, sort of feeling held back from really exploiting your true potential or from real sort of focused learning. So I'm going to quote one of our guests uh, from the podcast. You might know him. His name is Rohit Raj. (laughs) He spoke spoke about this concept called 3D view. He said, when you are looking at a situation from a 2D perspective, you get too attached and too involved in it. And that time, just ask yourself if I do a 3D view of the same situation. And for that, he said, uh, step away and look at the same situation from a distance. Now, whether you're learning because of your choice or you're learning as a reaction to the problem at hand, the depth at which you go and you actually pick information and talk to people in order to solve the problem, you're still growing. But sometimes we have these certain ideas about how growth or learning should look like. Hmm. So are you really learning or though it does not fit into your idea or because it doesn't fit into your idea, you are questioning the whole process? Um, No, I'm sorry. I didn't quite uh, 
So sometimes we we think that we are not learning or we are not growing or we are not happy because it doesn't fit the idea that we have had. Hmm. But when we ask ourselves this question in that 3D view, am I really not growing at the pace I should grow? Or because I have these ideas that, you know, learning or growing or taking time should look a certain way and that is not matching, I'm questioning it. Hmm. No, I think... um... Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily doubt that um, uh, learning is happening. I think it comes down to also the fact that you learn enough to kind of get you through what you need to do, you know, mm. um, versus um, uh, building um, a lot of depth. And I think both is important, uh, but it again comes back to sort of me being the uh, sort of the more jack of all trades or wearing multiple hats where I feel like, um, you know, you learn enough to do your job and do it well and then have a sort of overview Hmm. um, of things um, uh, without necessarily sort of going really, really deep into something, you know. So anything that you want to learn in those depths, just you have to find a way to commit to it. You have to find a way to publicly announce it, uh, join a course where you will have a tutor or a teacher who would make sure that you walk that path. But again, going back to the trade that I mentioned, if you're just going to do it because you would like to, only because you wish to, the motivation there won't sustain for a very long time. And you might have seen that. You said, okay, I'm going to read this book and then you know go to the depth of it. It won't happen. But if you have to solve a problem that somebody is waiting on you for, then you will read the book. You'll talk to five experts. You'll do everything it takes to then move forward. Now, if you understand that's how your brain functions and that's your behavioral pattern, then you can master it by having people who will hold you accountable for things. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually very true. You know, a lot of um, my learning in these last two years is motivated by me needing to have these answers. Yeah, and if if you know you think like that, you might as well create the needs where you have to have the answers. Yeah. Knowing that otherwise you might not work. So if you want to go in depth and learn something or master it, you've got to have an accountability partner. That's how you are wired, Rakshita. Yeah. So we, let's make the most of who you are by just tweaking it a bit and have an accountability partner. It could be a workout partner. It could be a trainer. It could be a teacher, a coach, whomever, a team member. But know that that's what you require to thrive and find a partner in yeah. crime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, this is, this is uh, true. Um, you know, everything that uh, having that sort of accountability um, actually does drive me uh, you know to learn and seek information which is very and going back to the point there are people who can wake up and they can be accountable to things only because they thought about it but that doesn't make them better that just how they're wired if you require a partner some people require a team some people require mechanisms you might as well create the environment in which you thrive because at the end the growth is the objective right like moving forward is the objective how you move forward doesn't matter as long as you are happy and enjoying yourself yeah yeah that's true but you do become very harsh on yourself when you do not fit into other people's ideas that's why i'm mentioning this point specifically when other people can do things and you see why can't i achieve the way they do and you know you try to then mold yourself into their mold 
you feel suffocated and i i have a feeling might not be fully correct but when you have the fluctuating self esteem it only and only happens when you compare yourself with other people's standards mm. it doesn't happen when you're thriving and you are solving the problem when you see other people doing it differently and when you say okay because you are literally a quick learner so you can learn a lot you think let me learn their ways and master it and then try to figure it out in that style and this is where you start dropping your own self belief and then you say why am i not able to get it the way they are getting it i feel that's the only reason why you then have that whole bout of self doubt imposter all of that like that that uh spiral opens when you are consciously or subconsciously in a way comparing yeah but this is also something that i've found um uh myself you know i've i've, I've sort of worked on um um i always found it uh, you know i'm somebody who likes to be in control mm-hmm. and i really obsess over <laughs> you know little details you know um and get very very obsessive over those which is why i've always found it very hard to delegate mm-hmm. you know and um this art is something that i've had to teach myself <laughs> you know is um you know i sometimes i wonder is if it's a trust issue or is it just a control issue um you know and what it is and um and i think that sort of letting go of that control um which is also meant to a certain extent letting go of ego as well mm-hmm. because then you're open to learning um from others open to um and i think this is so important to actually um find people smarter than you you know oh yeah or to hire people smarter than you and be surrounded by people who are smarter than you um and you have to have no ego to be able to do to, to able to do this and um and then the only way to actually grow is to replace yourself you know mm-hmm. uh, so this is so so from actually somebody who's very who's been very controlling and i and i i'm still i still have those sort of control issues for sure i haven't completely you know gotten rid of them but um uh but working on just sort of not having ego when it comes to um learning or just finding people who can just do the job better than you and then letting them do it <laughs> uh and giving them the space to yeah. actually do it right um yeah, like backing off the toughest part um yeah and uh, and then you create this uh you cultivate this atmosphere where people can sort of learn and grow and be their own people versus just versions of yourself of course um you know that has been something that uh, i have actively tried to build and many individual high performers like celebrities and people who are celebrated for their uniqueness generally have that controlling issue because they're so good at one thing that they tend to believe and everyone else around them to, tend to believe that they know everything because they are so good and you know they have done something in one area that is phenomenal and that happens then then that person becomes controlling about you know every single thing around them and other people indulge into that however great leaders generally have the other trait that you spoke about they know how to delegate and i think many high performers have to take that path i think it's part of, part of growing up maturing as a leader to move from one end to the other because you're not a high performer today suddenly because you're a leader you have been this involved dedicated risk taking workaholic in a way you know performer throughout 
today or probably last four five years the fact that you have crossed some boundaries people can also see how you can manage a large team you have been this person throughout that's your work style so what was celebrated for so many years suddenly becomes a hindrance for you to move forward yeah you know how you are like recognized for taking control and and being responsible for everything and now suddenly as the leader you have to let go of that so that becomes a tricky part yeah there's an interesting book as part of my training as an executive coach called what got you here won't get you there okay which talks about how leaders specifically have to work on delegation and how and why backing off is so difficult for them and what can they do about it I yeah think. and i think um when you've been on one side right when you've uh, when you've been part of a team um um and you've had um uh, leaders um to look up to or you've had certain expectations from your leaders i think if uh, it's so important that when you're now on the other side of the table um to remember what it was like sitting on the other oh, side oh yeah that's the toughest one and uh, to have to put to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes um and to be empathetic i think is just so important because that's that's the only way you'll know um how um how to drive people because you wanted to be inspired yourself right and then you kind of bring that learning to okay now how can i do better for the people that i'm that i'm now responsible for yeah in short sas bhi kabhi bahut thi we tend to forget about it completely <laughs> yeah exactly um that's true So Rakshita is there any favorite quote or a story that you remember that kind of you know shaped you at a very difficult moment Um I don't know if it's um uh, a quote um but this is something that um I've come I came across and is something that I resonate with and is also something that I've seen in my own growth you know through my career and that um you know if opportunity doesn't um knock then you know you should build a door for yourself you know so you can't always nice wait, you know you can't always wait for the right opportunity to come your way how do you create uh, that for yourself and um, and i say that even more um um as a woman you mm. know in um 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 in an industry or in workplaces that are sometimes uh, you know largely male dominated mm-hmm. you know so how do you make space for yourself you know and i think in these kind of situations you know you tell yourself you know i am going to you know squeeze myself you know and you know i'm going to like uh, you know pull my own chair um and you know if there's no the, chair for me on yeah. the table i'll i'll carry my chair with me that's correct and if there is uh, if there isn't an opportunity that is presented um then you know how do i build that opportunity for myself and make sure that you know i demand more you know for myself Thank you. Thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and there are moments where I feel even our listeners can go back and relate to because in their work situation they'll have the same challenge and they wouldn't choose learning over choosing a comfort zone. 
I think this particular approach of rolling with the punches uh, would help them to question their own ways of looking at things. Thank you, Rakshita, for being on the show. This was thank, truly wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Aditi. I really enjoyed my first uh, experience on a podcast. Was I gentle enough? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed how Rakshita spoke about where there is no opportunity. You create one by creating the door that does not exist. Phenomenal. I think as a woman, as a person, as a high performance coach, I enjoyed this this particular lesson at so many levels. So make sure that you do not give in. And if there are thoughts that are bothering you, if your emotions are weighing you down, you can join India's first emotional and mental gym called APT. Just check out the website aditisurana.com. You'll get to know about all the kind of work that we do with organization, individuals. And more interestingly, if you want to learn graphology, we do have graphology masterclasses that you can learn from. And if you want to write to me to give feedback on the podcast or you have personal questions, my email ID is write, W-R-I-T-E, at aditisurana.com. I'll see you on Friday with one more episode of the Absolutely Right podcast. This time we are in the middle of this series where everyday situation or anecdotes can help you look at your life or leadership situations differently. So do check that out on Friday. Till then, happy writing. Thank you.